Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Well, we have been, for the last month, teaching on our theme for the year, His Glory Revealed, and we're going to switch gears for this month and start a brand new series this morning. And over the last month, I have tried to take a deep spiritual topic and make it practical for you. So I'm going to do the reverse this month. I'm going to take something that seems more practical and and reveal to you the real spiritual depth of, of some things. And so we're going to do a series starting today for the month of February called First Things First. Let's say that together. First Things First. And so I was thinking about this a, a few years ago here at the church. We had a, a, a family who had a, a home or a, a condo at, at the beach. And, and they came to me and my wife and they said, we would uh, love to just offer it to you guys for a week for free. Uh, go make yourself at home. Take advantage of it. Um, enjoy yourselves. At no cost. I said, let me pray for it. Yes, we'll take advantage of that. And so uh, we, we, we got a date that, that fit. We, we went, and um, for that week that we were there, um, we, we did. We, we took advantage of the place. We, we enjoyed the pool. We enjoyed the beach. We enjoyed um, everything that uh, was offered to us. And from the outside, you might have thought that we were the owners. We parked in the owner's spot. We, we ate at the table. We slept in the rooms. We enjoyed ourselves. Um, immensely. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't our place to own. So we felt the obligation and the duty to make sure that we really, really took care of things. We made sure that um, things were you know, looked after. We made sure that things were kept up and they were clean. And when we left, we wanted to make sure that was, it was even you know, in better shape than, than when we arrived because it was something valuable that someone else actually owned, but they let us have free use of it. Um, nowadays, they call that an Airbnb or VRBO. It's p- kind of popular now. But um, we weren't the owners, but we made sure that we were good stewards that week, and we were good uh, managers of, of, of that property um, just because we got to borrow it. Now, I'm not going to tell you who that was because you'll go you know, hit them up for, for a week. But, that, but that's how we operated that week. You know, We were very appreciative, but this isn't ours. We're going to take great care of it. And, and so in using that illustration, you know, that's really how it should be for you and I as believers serving God, serving Christ and serving his purposes for our lives. So in saying that, I wanted to throw a couple questions out there to you. Now, you don't have to answer these out loud. I know what your answers are going to be, but, but I, I want to um, poke a little bit at these questions to make you really think about them. Uh, the first question would be this is, to whom do you belong? Who is it or to whom do you really belong? Now, I know the immediate answer that jumps up in you, I'm God's. And that's the proper answer. But do you really, really, really belong to God? Now, the Bible actually says this, that you actually are his because you have actually been purchased at a price. The price was the blood of Jesus. But who do you really belong to? Here's the second question. Who really owns your stuff? 
Who really owns it? It's quiet up in here. Who really owns your stuff? Well, the Bible says that um, the Lord owns everything. Everything in the earth is, is whose? It's his, the Bible says. The Lord owns everything and everything on the earth he owns. And so if you really belong to him and if he really owns all of your stuff, then how responsible are you or how good of a manager are you or how well are you stewarding your life, your possessions, your purposes, all of those things. And the Bible says this in the book of Corinthians, the most important thing for someone who is a steward or a manager who, or who has been entrusted with something is that they prove themselves faithful. Everybody say faithful. That's the number one thing that the Bible teaches us, the things that have been entrusted to us. That's the number one thing when God inspects us that he's looking for is faithfulness. And so, you know, there's a difference between owning something and leasing something or owning something and renting something. If you're just renting something, you're to steward something and take care of it and, and you know, um, pay those bills and, and manage that property. If you own it, you're responsible for every repair, all the um, different things that come along with that. So there is an absolute difference between owning and renting. How many, if you have a business, know there's a difference between being an employee and being a, the employer, right? There's, 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 a, there's a distinct difference there. And really, there's a distinct difference between having rights and having responsibility. And we love to talk about rights, don't we? But we often fail to talk about responsibility. And I was, I was thinking about this a, a few years ago. This is before me and Pastor Diane ever really moved back to this area. Uh, I had a guy that, that I knew that uh, he, he had a, a business and his business was struggling a little bit. And so he started, he started dumping his assets, his vehicles, his business vehicles and all of that stuff. And and so he, he had several kids, and um, all of a sudden he, he started selling off these, these vehicles and things. And so he comes to me. Uh, the reason he had come to me is he, he actually was sort of a backyard mechanic, so he helped me a few times fix some things on my truck. And he comes to me, and he says, hey, I had, had to dump those vehicles. Could I borrow your truck for a few days? Well, I, I, I did the good Jesus thing, and I said, sure, you can, you can borrow it. I, I drive my car this summer, and you can borrow it. Well... During the summer, he picks up and he moves his whole family to a campground. And so a couple days turned into a couple weeks, and a couple weeks turned into a few months. And, and finally, I had to go and say, hey, I, 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 I need my vehicle back. And I, I had no doubt, like, he would take care of the engine and all of that because, you know, he, he knew all about that. But when I got it back, it was filthy. And I mean Filthy. Because the campground had a pond, and he had five kids. And the pond went from the pond to my truck. And it was filthy and dirty. The carpets were stained. And um, I'll be honest with you, there was a smell. I never got out of the truck. Couldn't get it, couldn't get the dirt out. And I was, I mean, I was really, you know, wrestling with the fact that um, I loaned this to you out of the goodness of my heart, entrusting that you would take care of it as if it was your own. And I got it back in such a mess that I eventually just said, hey, I'll make you a good deal and sell you this vehicle. Well, the point of that story isn't me wrestling with those thoughts as much as it was. The way he stewarded that vehicle and then brought it back 
sometimes reflects on the way that, that we steward things, the way we bring things back to God. And, and so I want to talk about some things that may not sound so exciting, but I believe that spiritually they are so, so important. And I want to go in the book of Matthew. And I know that a lot of people have taught on this parable, and you've probably heard me teach on it before, but I want to reconnect with this parable for a few weeks and say some things that I think we all need to hear and we need to make some adjustments. And as we make those adjustments, I believe it sets you up for uh, uh, more revelation and it sets you up for another level of blessing from, from, from the Lord. And so Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to actually read you a few verses. So here we go. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven. Well, whenever you see the, word, the, the, the phrase kingdom of heaven, there's two different things. There's the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of of God. So when you see heaven's kingdom, it's not actually talking about the place, it's talking about God's system. Are you with me? It's his system of doing things. So again, God's way of doing things is like a wealthy man who was getting ready to go on a long journey, and he summoned all of his trusted employees and servants, and he assigned his financial management to them. Before he left on his, his journey, he entrusted, everyone say entrusted. So he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants. And th this really has to do with about 20 years worth of wages. So he entrusted these coins to a servant. To another, he gave 2,000 coins. And to the third, he gave 1,000 coins. And then look at what it says, each according to his ability to what manage. So here's this owner, and he gives his servants three different servants, three different amounts of gold coins. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 traded the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, verse 19, after much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. That phrase, settled accounts, is an accounting word, and it means the owner came back and he thoroughly inspected what had happened. Um, those of you who have a business or maybe in accounting, you, you understand profit and loss statements. This is what he was looking at, the profit and loss statements. Verse 20, so the one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came, and he brought 10,000. He says, see, I have doubled your money. Commending this servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be loyal and trustworthy. Because you've been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, enter into the joy of your Lord. So he doubles what he was responsible for, and it, blessing is the result, and joy is the result. Verse 22, then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came and said, see, master, I doubled what you entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master said, you have done well, and you have proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage this small sum, I'm going to put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, enter into the joy of the Lord. The second servant doubles what was entrusted to him. His reward is blessing and joy. Now, verse 24, 
Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to the master and said, look, sir, look at this, look what he says. I, I knew that you are a hard man to please, and you are a shrewd and you are a ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and I hid your money and I buried it in the ground, but here it is, take it, it's yours. But the master said to him, you are untrustworthy and you are what? Lazy. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you at least deposit the money in the bank? Then I would have received all of it back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 coins and I'm actually going to give those to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has been given more actually will overflow with abundance and the one with hardly anything, even what he has is going to be taken from him. And the master said to his servant, now throw the good for nothing servant far away from me into outer darkness where there will be great misery and there will be great anguish. There is a lot in these verses. So this owner comes and he says, I'm going away for a while. I'm going to entrust you with 5,000, you with 2,000, and you with 1,000. And you say, well, that's so unfair of God to do that differently. But if you understand the, the language used here, what it means is I'm going to give you according to your ability. The word ability means your track record. I'm going to give you this, I'm going to entrust this to you on how you've proven yourself to handle things in the past. So we get real caught up on, <clears throat> well, why does that guy just get one? Because in the past, his ability had only proven that he could be entrusted at that moment with one. The other was entrusted with five and the other was entrusted with two. Well, we, as we read the story, you saw that two of those servants went and they actually doubled what was given to them. But the one went and he hid what was entrusted to him. And he said this, he said, I knew you were a harsh man. Now, really what this parable is about, it can be about different things. It can be uh, obviously uh, uh, about money, but it can also be about your treasures, your talents. It can be about your time. It's what God has entrusted us with. And so God has entrusted us with purposes. He's entrusted us with plans, giftings, callings, resources, all of these things. But the one man said, I knew you to be a harsh man. He did not understand, just like sometimes we do not understand, that God is a good God. We mistake that God is a good God, a blessing God, a God of provision. And so we often operate in fear. We often operate in greed and things like this. When all along, what, this, what the point of this parable is, is that God entrusts us with, with, the, with the kingdom system, with the kingdom's wealth, with the word of God, with all of these things. And God asks us to be faithful. Faithfulness does not go and hide. Faithfulness does not think that God is a shrewd God. Faithfulness is saying God is a good God. I'm going to steward very well everything that God has put in my hands and blessed me with. Now, we don't use the word steward today. We use the word manager. But the word steward in the Bible um, just means that it's a person who faithfully manages what has been entrusted to them by someone else. Uh, just like that condo was entrusted to us for a week, we were good stewards of that condo. Or if I, if I gave you something, if I would have given you my vehicle to use for a, a week or so, to be a good steward means I'm going to manage well what I've been entrusted with. And so we see these stewards, when the business owner came to inspect things, they had to give an account. And I do believe that we serve a God who will inspect how well we're handling these things. 
That's what determines how blessed we become. That determines how, how well you and I are elevated in life by faithfulness. Say faithfulness. So I'm going to talk about some things in this series that our culture doesn't like to talk about. But they're really, really very godly principles. But do you know what happens with us sometimes? We get a hoarding mentality. And really, you know, the hoarders, although it's dysfunction, it's really operating out of fear. God doesn't want us to operate like this. God wants us to operate like this. So we have to know that he's a good God. If you have $20 and God says, bless somebody, you can't hoard it saying, there's my last 20. We have to learn to shift to a steward mindset to know this, is if God's entrusted me to bless somebody, he can get some more 20s in my hand. He can get some more resources to me. And so we're going to learn how to operate as stewards. Look at Luke chapter 16. Let's look at verse 10, 11, and 12. It says, the one who faithfully manages the little that he's been given will be promoted and will be trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you've not proven yourself faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? Well, we all want blessed. We all want to prosper. We all want wealth. We all want these things. But the Bible tells us very clearly there's a way that you and I learn to live and it's opposite of how the world lives, how we learn to live that sets us up for things like promotion and blessing. And listen to me, God's a God of promotion and God's a God of blessing. He has no problem with promotion. He has no problem with blessing. He has no problem with enriching you. But there are some principles that God expects us to learn to live by, and they're not natural in our flesh. And they are not natural in our culture. So it's going to take a mind shift from uh, this me, 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 greedy personality that sometimes we have to become uh, those who are managers and stewards and givers. Amen? Amen. So here, here's my title for this morning, simply this, becoming, you ready? The R word, responsible. Becoming responsible. Now, this isn't in my notes for today, but God put some things on my heart this morning that I wrote down real quick that I wanted to read to you. Um, Y'all doing all right? So responsibility. We're going to talk more about that as we go, and we'll make some points. Um, I asked my wife this morning. I love doing trick questions. She was getting ready, and I said, what's the opposite of responsibility? And she said, uh, irresponsibility. I said, sort of, but the opposite of responsibility is entitlement. It's entitlement. So I, I, I looked up entitlement for you. Entitlement means a person expects that you owe them something that they want. Entitlement is just saying you owe me something. It's the opposite of responsibility. In other words, entitlement is something for nothing. Now listen to this. This is how I felt like the Lord gave me this and I wrote it down. Responsible people believe that it's an honor and it's a privilege to be entrusted to manage well. If I'm responsible, that means I understand and I believe that it's an honor and a privilege to be entrusted with things to manage well. If I'm entitled or I'm an entitled person, I believe that I'm too honored and I'm too privileged to be burdened with the responsibility of managing something for someone else. 
You ever heard someone say, well, that's not my job? Then I wrote this down. Everybody has reasons, but some make excuses because of those reasons. Others will remain responsible in spite of reasons, and others will use those as excuses. And excuses are only as good for those who are weak enough to embrace them. We all have reasons for stuff, but we can't let those reasons become the excuses about how we live our lives. That's how the culture around us lives. That's how the world around us lives. And then I wrote this down, and I need to explain this. When we're entitled, we believe that God is obligated to bless us on the basis of grace. Now stick with me, because I love to preach about grace. Entitled people believe that God is obligated to bless them on the basis of grace. Now, is it true that grace is God's free gift to us? It's how God blesses us, or, or it's how God provides all of his promises for us. It's a work of what? Grace. It's not work. It's grace. Correct? Okay. Scripture teaches that. Here's where I'm going. But how do we receive that grace? Via faith. It's all provided by grace, received by faith. Now stick with me. In the Bible, in the New Testament, if you look up the word faith, it's essentially the same word as faithfulness. Faithfulness means to live out of faith. Does the Bible not say the just shall live by faith? Or the just shall live by their what? Faithfulness. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. Or we live by faithfulness. So if we're living entitled, we think that it's all about grace. But it's not just all about grace. It's by grace from God, but it's received by the faithfulness of his people. Y'all got that? Responsibleness. Responsible people understand my faithfulness. My faith is how I receive all the goodness of grace. Now, there's a fine line there. I'm not saying by works. I'm saying the way I live my life, the how responsible I am with the purposes of God, the promises of God, the plans of God. My faithfulness has everything to do with if I, if I walk in the grace of God or not. Because I was watching your faces when I say that. It's a grace thing. It is a grace thing. It's how God provides everything. But you cannot receive anything from God, from his grace, without faith. Grace is the provision. Faith is the reception. And faith and faithfulness are essentially the same words. Now, I was thinking about this this morning, and I'm not going to tell you this story to get a pat on the back for you, but I just want to paint a picture for you. You know, um, several, several, several years ago now, I, um, I went to school out in Indiana, and I came back, and I essentially set out a, a, a semester from college. And I was just seeking God, just trying to find out what it was God wanted me to do. So actually, I came back, I went to WVU, then I sent out a, a, a semester, and during the time I set out that, of that semester, I was starting to learn about serving. I was starting to learn about faithfulness. And how many know when you learn something, <clears throat> there's a test. There's an opportunity to prove what you have received or learned. How many have ever? So I just want to um, add this to this message today. There will be a test 
or an opportunity for you to prove yourselves faithful on what I'm teaching you today. And, and so uh, during that semester off, I, I, I did two things. The first thing I did was I put myself into a 13-week intense discipleship program where for this amount of time you had to read, it was something like 13 books. You had um, one night a week you came, you were taught, and you learned. Um, you, you couldn't date during that time. All of a it was pretty intense. And so uh, I put myself in this um, uh, program for X amount of weeks. When that ended, I, I took on the position of an internship. Um, it was at this church, and I, and I served. And the first thing they gave me to do was there used to be a baptism right here, and my first job was to clean the baptism. So when we moved in here, we took the baptism out because it, it was hard to see back there. But that was my first job, my first day. I'm ready for ministry. I'm learning ministry. And they handed me a bucket and a sponge. And I'm like, how is this going to save the world? How is this going to reach people? But you know how that was a character test? And so I got down in, in the baptistry, and I'll be honest with you, my first thoughts was, I am here to learn ministry. You can hire a custodian to do this. And so, you know, your flesh goes off. But then something goes off in me. If they entrusted this to me, I'm going to clean this baptistry like it has never been cleaned before. Well, they promoted me from baptism cleaning. And my next job was to set up chairs for us for service. And so I'm like, well, okay. So I started setting up chairs. And, and then I thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with excellence. So I started making sure the rows were straight, the aisles were the same amount of prayer. And then I took it to a different level. I just felt, you know, when you just get responsible and you start serving, you, you go from like a little bit of grumbling to that, I'm going to do the best I can. And you, you get a little bit of joy about it. And so now I'm like, I'm going to pray for every seat, every person that sits in this seat. I'm going to pray. And that was my job every week. Then I moved up to sound man. I didn't know a thing about sound. I had no idea about sound. I could play a radio and that was about it. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn and be the best sound guy that I could be. And so I just started being responsible in these areas. So then I go away to, to, to Bible school, and I'm, I'm there for, for um, three, three more years. And when I, when I got out, um, I was going to come to this church and become the youth pastor. The youth pastor at the time had worked it out for me to come and, and fill in for him because he was, he was actually going to graduate school. And uh, actually, about three weeks before I was to come here and work, they decided that the youth pastor needed to be married. So I went out. I got married as quick as I can. That didn't work out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. So anyway, they, 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 they hired somebody else, but they said, we'll, we'll pay you to be an intern. And they gave me an office. It's not there now, but in the back, and really gave me not a lot to do. They gave me everything to do that no one else wanted to do. So I just started doing what I was supposed to do. I just started reading. I just started studying. I started reading leadership. I started reading Brother Hagen. I just started being responsible with what I had. I saw a need for um, outreach. We started an outreach for I saw a need, um, actually, at the time for a college ministry. I just jumped in. We started a college ministry. Then they switched me and the youth pastor positions. I took over the youth for for several years and, and, and ran that ministry. Then the, uh, they were without a pastor, so there was a time I ran the youth ministry. I ran the day-to-day. -day, I ran the staff. And once again, I'm not saying this all about me. I'm just saying I just tried to stay faithful. I just tried to stay responsible. Um, at that time, things happened at the church. We moved out of state to a different church, and they, they handed us a, uh, a small amount of students, and they said... Um, 
we want to build up a youth ministry program. So we just started being faithful at this church. We saw God take about 50 students and turn them into several hundred. Um, we, we saw God give us outreach programs that literally in about an eight-year span, we, we counted up one time, probably between ten to 20,000 people got saved on our outreaches. It was incredible. Um, and, and God gets the glory for that. Once again, I'm not talking about me. Um, in the middle of that, God starts talking to me and Pastor Diane, and he starts saying, I want you to move back to West Virginia. I want you to go back and, and teach some things I put in your heart. So we moved back here and, um, you know, got involved in the church here, started with a small amount of people, God built up. We just stayed faithful. Just stayed faithful. The reason why I went on all that little thing was a year and a half ago, God brought us back to this place that he told us we would pastor one day. And here's the whole point, because I didn't do it all right. Don't misunderstand me. That's why God sent me Pastor Diane to, to help when I didn't do right. But my point to all of that is faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's the thing that when God inspects how you and I are living our lives, that's the one thing that he's looking for is faithfulness. Steward, managing things. Well, because we live in a society where nobody wants to be responsible. I mean, look, look what the Bible says. God says, I'll take from those who don't have I'm going to give it to those who are responsible. We live in a culture. Look how our culture does employment and business. We're going to take from people who don't want to work. We're going to take from those who will be responsible. We're going to give those to those who are irresponsible. It's totally backwards of how God inspects and does things. Now, I'm not preaching you something to say to you that you can't ever fail or mess up. That's not what I'm preaching. But I'm talking about the consistency of our lives. How faithful are we? So how about we make some points? I told you I was going to take you something practical and show you the, the deep spiritual stuff in it. So you ready to go? Three life points. Here's number one. God never promotes poor management. Thank you for all the amens. God doesn't promote poor management. God doesn't promote good intentions. Well, my intentions. Well, you know, God promotes... Good, faithful response. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't love you. I'm not saying he doesn't give you other chances. I'm just saying God promotes good management. That's what we learn in this story that we just read. God actually promotes when we are faithful to that which has been entrusted to us as caretakers. What does God do? God promotes it when we manage it well. Let, let's make some examples. Obviously, if we manage our resources well, what does God do? God cannot bless or promote poor management of our resources. You know, I have never gone to an employee who has totally mismanaged everything they were entrusted with and say, you know what, let me just promote you for your mismanagement. We'll promote you for what? Your responsibility. We'll promote you for your faithfulness. So words like responsibility, words like faithfulness, those are God words. Those are kingdom words. How about some other examples? You need some other examples, I can tell. Um, so think about this. Relationships. There were times in your life that maybe you were entrusted to a coach, a guardian, a parent, even a teacher. How well and how responsible they were with you determined a lot of things that came out of your life. 
And it's the same thing for you. Those who have been entrusted to you, your children, your marriage, your spouse, someone that works for you, how responsible you are in those settings determines if you're a good manager or not. It's not just your money, but it includes your money. But how many know it's a little bit, um, it's, it's, a, it's a little shaking to realize that I'm also responsible. I'm responsible. Check this out. Me and Pastor Diane are responsible. The Bible says, I give an account for you. I have to give an account that I lead this church well, that I'm following God, that we're teaching right doctrine, that we're doing things with honor and integrity and purity. We're responsible for that. You just don't sign up for that unless you really know that God tells you to do that. As a believer, do you know that we're responsible with the word? We're responsible with our souls. That's why the Bible says we need to take the word of God and renew our minds. We're responsible for the purposes and the gifts and the callings that God has given you and I. We're responsible as employees for our jobs. I remember one time talking to a guy in church, and he had an opportunity to get a position, and the position was more money, but the position also was more responsibility. And when it came down to it, he wouldn't take it because he didn't want the responsibility. I thought, that is a terrible picture of a born-again, spirit-filled believer. If anybody ought to know how to handle responsibility and ought to know how to handle faithfulness, hello, that's our MO. That's how we should be. But he's like, ah. I'm like, man, God wanted to promote you, give you an opportunity, but the responsibility. So we, we, sometimes we don't like that word responsibility. Can I just tell you that you and I need to start embracing responsibility? We are the only ones in this whacked out world capable of really understanding what responsibility and faithfulness is. They ought to look at us church people and say, just, just let me say this, right? And no business owner in here, you know, slip me a 10 to say this, but you guys ought to be the best employees in your school, in your hospital, in your office, in the bureau. You, 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 we can shout about Holy Ghost and all that stuff, but we need to have some character about us. I'm going to preach to this side over here. That's why we need to live our lives with this excellence. Why? Because you represent an excellent king. Are you all with me? Yeah, let me give you a couple more examples. Um, you know, we should be responsible with, oh man, these are, these are some good ones. You ready for this? We, we, we're responsible for our bodies. Anyone ever been a little irresponsible with your body? Like the third Twinkie? It's a little irresponsible. <clears throat> the first one, borderline. Second one, you're going to the dark side. Third one, you are so far we cannot see you in darkness. <laughs> now, I'm not getting on anybody. We all, we all know that. We be remor- the Bible says this, that this is the temple of the Spirit of God. What we put in it, where we take it, what we do with who we do it with. You say, well, why? Because this is not my body. Because this money is not my money. This opportunity is not my opportunity. I'm a kingdom person. God's entrusted it to me. He's entrusted me to take the money he's given me to provide, obviously for my family, and to sow into the kingdom of God. My life, my time, my calendar is for God. We get real selfish. You know, that's my time. That's, my, that's, that's, that's me time. My me time. I never forget a friend of mine told me this. He, he, uh, 
he has interns under him in ministry, and he was going through an orientation with his interns, and he, he was telling them how the schedule was going to go. And one of the interns, a young intern, raised their hand, and they said, I have a question. He said, yeah, what do you, what do you need to know? They said, well, when's my me time in the schedule during the day? Because he called me and told me, he goes, can you believe they said it to me? He said, you, you, you would have never, we would have never said that to you back in the day. Me time. Now, I'm not saying you can't have some rest and some downtime, but listen, when we came to Jesus and we said, here's my life, I need you to rescue and save me, we set me time down, it's his time. We set my stuff down, it's his stuff. Come on, are you getting me? Right, hear, hear me. And I know it's easy to listen, and I don't know if I'm buying into this. We need to buy into how we raise our kids, how we work the word of God out in our lives. These are all things that you and I are responsible for. How about this one, and I'll move on to the second point, his likeness. We're responsible for his likeness to permeate every area of our lives. The Bible said we're made in his image, but we are continually transformed and changed into the image that he created and called us to be. This is something that's our responsibility, not to make it happen, but to surrender ourselves. Who do you belong to? Who owns your stuff? How well are you managing these things? How well are you managing your marriage, your family, your kids, your life, the pursuits of God, the, pur- the purposes of God? And, and, and probably if I'm right, a lot of us can sit here today and say, no, oh, man, I've messed up some of this. But we do serve a God of grace. We do serve a God of goodness. He's for you. He's not like, oh, you're, not, you're, you're out. You messed up. But he's going to say, I'm going to be behind you. I'm going to be before you. Before you. I'm going to go with you. I support. I know the potential that's in you. I know all of that. But I, I can only respond to how well you're managing things. So one, God can never promote poor management. Number two, you ready for this? This, one, this is the good one, though. Good management is the pathway to great blessings. Y'all are quiet today. Think about it. God can't promote poor management. But what God does do is good management is the pathway to great blessings. Do you know what is, uh, this is, this is always a test in our lives. It's a faithfulness test. It's obedience. Obeying God. Obeying the word of God, obeying the, the things God puts in our heart, the things God tells us in his word, it, it's the faithfulness test. If I'm willing to obey, the Bible says this, every time you obey, it commands the what? The blessing of God. Every time I look in the word and say, well, I'm, I'm going to obey the word. I'm going to obey what God said. I'm going to obey him with my funds. I'm going to obey him in my marriage. I'm going to steward these things of God well. Has God not blessed you? How, how many of you say, it, it, all in all, God has really blessed me? He's blessed you with his son. He's blessed you with resource. He's blessed you with a house. He's blessed you with these things. What God asks of you and I is our response is I'm going to manage these things the way the kingdom wants them to be managed. And in doing that, I want you to know God will open up the heavens. Actually, the Bible says this. If we will honor God with our resources and become tithers and givers, the Bible says he will open the sluice gates. You say, well, what does that mean? You know when someone says you get a lot, that man, that was a slew. That's where that came from. He's going to open the sluice gates in your life. But he can only open them according to our what? Not just our receptibility, but our responsibility. Now, I wrote this down, and you can evaluate yourself. I can use what I have to build the kingdom. I can use it to benefit myself, or I can neglect it and not use it at all. But when we're kingdom people, everything you and I have and do is, guess what, is connected to the kingdom of God. So, so get where we're going so far. This poor management can't get promoted. But good management is always the pathway to great blessing. And God's okay with great blessing. But the pathway to great blessing is our faithfulness. 
It's our responsibility. It's our obedience. All right, you want the last point? Am I doing good? Y'all doing all right? Okay. Next week, my title is this, Becoming Responsible to Bring It. You say, what's it? Come next week, I will tell you. Life point number three, you determine how responsible you become. You're the one who determines how responsible you become. God doesn't determine it. You do. You determine how responsible or how effective you are or you become. What God has really done is he's given you the, uh, the authority to oversee what he's entrusted you with. He's given you the authority to oversee what you have been entrusted with. Now, when you look up the word faithfulness and you look up the word responsibility and you study the, the, the etymology or the roots of those words, there's, there's a really cool list of words. I'm just going to throw them out there to you. These are words that, that fit uh, the word of faithfulness or fit the word of responsibility. And you can just evaluate n- not how you want to be, but really how you have been. Because sometimes we make that mistake. This is how I want to be, so that's the way it is. Not, it's not always truth. You can want to be, but never be. Right? So can you say that again? No, I, I don't know how I said that now. But here we go. Ready? These are some words, some characteristics, some attributes that we need to say, God, may mold this in me. Teach me to become. Because these, these, these are the phrases or the words that's the pathway to great blessing. It's the pathway to obedience. It's the pathway to manage. Now, before I, before I say the, these words, think about this. If you have a desire to manage more wealth, it's not just about a higher paying job. It's about, I'm going to manage these funds according to how the kingdom system works. I'm going to be a good steward of this. And you know what God will do? The Bible says, I will trust you with more. You want to know how you get trusted with, with more? Be faithful with what you have. If you are flipping burgers right now at McDonald's, you flip them like Jesus is in the car outside coming through the drive-thru. And you flip, don't criticize, don't complain, don't badmouth everybody. If they knew the talent that was in me, they wouldn't have me flipping burgers. Well, no, that's where you're at right now. Flip the burgers till they move you to the fries. When they move you from the fries, you get to the soda machine. When you get from the soda machine, they put you at the drive-thru and you take orders because God knows they need some help taking some orders. Then when you get there, they're going to put you where you take the money because they need some people taking the money because now they put it on the app and people look at the app like, I don't know what. Have you ever been there? God can elevate you from that, but he says, you start right now where you're at, and you be so faithful with where you're at. We're always consumed with where we're trying to get, where we're trying to get, where we're trying to get. God says, I can get you there. You be faithful right here. You be faithful with this. Be faithful with someone else, and I'll trust you with those things. That's how it works. Here's some words. You ready? I got to wind this up. Steadfast. Consistent. Don't raise your hand. If you're a boss, you probably want some consistent employees. Don't raise your hand. Consistent. Resolved, loyal, dependable, obedient. These are all words that make up the word responsibility. Truthful, reliable, accountable. Now, then the words and the meaning shift a little bit. And they mean some things like this. To be constrained. To be obligated, devoted, liable, answerable. Restraint and assigned. So they start out with these words that we know, faithful, reliable, trustworthy, 
But they also include these things like, I'm answerable, I'm accountable, I'm restrained, I'm concerned. Do you know that we should be people that are constrained and restrained to faithfulness? What's the Bible say about your father? He can't be a man and lie. Do you know you have his image and your characteristics in you? What's that mean? Well, if he's reliable, if he's faithful, I am constrained to faithfulness. In other words, faithfulness is good. It's a trait of God. I'm restrained to be faithful. No matter what, nobody else in my office is going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. If they all duck out 10 minutes early, I'm going to stay. I'll stay 10 minutes late. If everybody else comes an hour late, you know what? I'll show up 10 minutes early. I'm constrained to be faithful. Why? Because it's a characteristic one that represents God. Because how about this? How well are we managing our witness? Well, pastor, I got me a Jesus bumper sticker on my car. That bumper sticker is not your witness. I've seen you drive. <clears throat> oh, should I tell about the car I saw yesterday, Diane, or just move on? Should I talk about the car I saw yesterday, or should I just move on? What? She's thinking. Let's just move on. See, I saw this car yesterday. <clears throat> In the parking lot. And just let me say this. Whatever kind of car you drive, if it's the newest car, an old whatever, faithfulness. Treat that car nice. I mean, take care of that car. I used to have Brother Hagen said, you shouldn't be able to look in your window and see a bunch of McDonald's wrappers and trust God to bless you with a new car. Now, if you have like two-year-olds, I think you get a little bit of a pass, but other than that. So here's this car, and it's got Jesus stuff written all over it, and it was the worst-looking car taking up the worst spot. It was just, I just walked by and my wife said, that doesn't make me be hungry for God at all. Now, I didn't meet the people, but man, I had a picture automatically of what it was like. Maybe I shouldn't have gone there. I'm just saying, faithfulness is something you live out. It's not a sticker that you put on a car, but our witness is something we have to be faithful to. We have to manage well. The word responsibility comes from a word responser. And it means this. It, it actually means to give your assurance back. To give your assurance back. Now let me wrap all this up. Y'all doing all right? First things first. What is the first things first? First of all, who owns you? Well, God owns me. He paid for me with his blood. I'm just renting this. He's just entrusted me with this life, these purposes, these callings, this body, my kids, my wife, this church. God has entrusted me. Who owns all your stuff? Who do you belong to? How well are you managing it? If you haven't managed it so well, hey, repent. God will help you get back on track. Prove yourself faithful. I have some faithfulness questions. Are you ready for them? They're the opposite of what you hear probably at work. Here it is. Ready? First question is, what am I responsible for? Because people go around saying, I'm not going to be responsible. That's not my job. But what? we need to ask questions. What is it that I'm responsible for? That means what's expected of me? Have you ever asked a God, what's expected of me? Not excuses that I can make, but what's expected of me? What is it I'm accountable for, not what can I get away with? Who's counting on me? We have to answer to ask that question. What am I responsible for? God, what am I responsible for? And you can look in the word of God and see there are things that you and I are responsible for. We have to become responsible. If I said I would, I will. 
I'll do everything I can to serve and provide and do these things. God, I want to be. It's not about works. It's about proving yourself what? Faithful. Here's the second question. What needs done? Don't delay. Anyone good at procrastinating? Christians ought to be good at follow through. Let me go over here. Us Christians ought to be good at what? Follow through. Jesus gave us a sentence all about that. He said, it is finished. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't procrastinate on the cross? Ah, you know, I don't feel like that today. Mm, all that bloodshed, pain, mm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's hot out there. It's not my job, God. It's not my job. I didn't sin. I didn't sin, God. What am I responsible for? What needs done? How about this? What can I do? What do I have? What, what, what can I do? Man, we live in a culture. We like to complain without committing. And I'm just saying we ought to be the most committed, faithful. I'll sign up for that. And I'm not saying you work yourself ragged, but I'll sign up to be that. I'll sign up to do that. Instead of, well, someone else can do that. We're always waiting for someone else. And God said, I'm looking for someone who just proved themselves what? Faithful and responsible. Y'all get the message today? I feel like I've been a little bit everywhere. But I want you to know this. God can't promote poor management. In my life, the areas that I have mismanaged or managed poorly, I cannot expect God to promote me in those. Remember I said something like this a few weeks ago. The Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory, not mess to glory to glory. This messy level, we need to get it glorious, then he elevates us. Maybe in your life, in my life, we need to this morning say, God, show me these areas I've been a little irresponsible in. I repent. I'll, I'll work. Help me become responsible. I'll become faithful in those areas. And watch what God does. He'll elevate you. Now, you know what he did with those, with those servants that doubled their effectiveness? Bible said he declared they were faithful, they were good, and he said, I'm going to show myself good to them. Enter into your joy. The other one, he did the same for but the one who hid and did not prove himself faithful, God took from him and gave to the others. Here's what that means. You don't want God to take your opportunities and your promotion and have to give them to somebody else. The only reason he would do that if he says, you haven't been faithful, I, I've got to give it to someone who can be faithful. If you're saying, God, I'd like you to pour resources into my life, then what God's saying, I'll keep pouring you keep connecting it to the kingdom, I'll keep elevating you, and you keep elevating the kingdom. But if he can't do that, he says, I'm going to have to withhold here. I'm going to keep giving to the one over here, and you keep saying, it's not fair, and they've got more. Why did God do that? Because they proved themselves faithful. God's not unjust. He's wise. We do not serve a foolish God. We serve a wise God. Now, that's not to condemn you. That's just to say, if there are some areas that you know, man, I need to make some adjustments, say, God, I'm sorry. Show me where to make the adjustments. Make the adjustments. And when you make the adjustments, I want you to know, God doesn't throw you on an island and say, get this right. All heaven starts backing you up. All heaven starts backing you up. And, and he starts flowing in your direction. And when he starts flowing you, you got some momentum in your life. You got some movement in your life. We know God's a good God. Did y'all get something good today? Listen. (laughs) 
your responsibility, check this out, your responsibility is faithful. His responsibility is fulfillment. Your responsibility is to manage it well. His responsibility is to provide the opportunity, to promote. The Bible says God's the one who promotes. He's all about that. He's just saying, keep yourself in a position of being promotable, of being opportunistic, of managing things well. Can we all stand? How many of you be real honest? It's just you and me. No one else is looking around. How many of you say, I can see and sense a few areas that I've been irresponsible with? So what do we, what do, we do? Do we just, we take this moment while we do this song and we just say, God, I'm sorry. Maybe you've mismanaged your health. Maybe you've mismanaged relationship. Maybe you've mismanaged resources. Maybe you've mismanaged opportunities or purposes. The good thing is, is God never gives up on you. He will meet you where you're at. And you could have areas of your life that are that they're, they're flourishing over here. But then there, there's some areas over here that you've been a little irresponsible and, and, and you, just, you just need some new momentum in those areas. Here's what creates momentum. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Y'all know what momentum is, right? Momentum is when things start rolling in your direction. The sports world would pay big bucks for momentum. Now think about this. Super Bowl is coming up. You're going to watch a game. It's going to have different segments of momentum. One team may look like they're about to dominate, but if the other team just stays faithful, faithful to what? Make tackles, execute plays. All of a sudden, there'll be a big tackle, a turnover, a special teams play, and momentum shifts. Did it shift because the wind blew in a different direction? A magic wand? No, they just stayed faithful to make some plays, faithful to make some blocks, faithful to make some tackles, faithful, faithful in those areas. Then you'll watch who comes out at the end of the game who capitalized on the momentum. I want to see you in 2022 be able to capitalize on some new momentum in your marriage, with your kids, with your money, with your body, with the purposes of God, with the likeness of God in your life. Get faithful in those areas. Be faithful in those areas because it, it's a catalyst for momentum. And when you got some God momentum, guess what? Things begin to shift in your life. Things begin to heal in your life. Things begin to alter in your life. Things begin to get promoted in your life. Opportunities begin to open up. Favor begins to break through. Not just because you wanted it to, because you have put yourself in a place to be faithful before God. And the grace of God now can be received by the faithfulness of your hands, the faithfulness of your heart. Faithfulness just means I live out of faith. I live out of faith. Because this, this is a crazy thought. To believe God for some, for some financial breakthrough this year, to just pray for it in here, you can shout about it in here, you can get a hanky and run around with the Holy Ghost, whatever, you can do all that. But you know what? You, you can shout about it, but you know when it starts happening? I mean, you can add the shout to it, but when you sow. If you shout without sowing, it doesn't create any momentum. But you sow, then you shout. Then you trust, then you believe, then you claim by faith. I sowed that seed. I did. It's not just money, it's in all these areas of your life. Don't take your cues from the culture. They are irresponsible and they are entitled. You take your cues from the Word of God. It said, faithfulness still works. Honor still works. Faithfulness, honor, it still, still works. We're going to do a song. 
if you know you need to make some adjustments in your heart, make those adjustments in your heart. Go ahead and just make them in your heart Why, why, why that's going on. Actually, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask if any of our prayer workers are here, if they would just make their way up front. If, if you say, I, I want someone to just to pray with me for a moment uh, about anything while we do this song, make your way up here. They'd love to pray for you. We'll be up at the Smiths in just a moment. Did, did y'all get something? You stirred up with something? I, I, I sense this in my heart. I know I'm, I know I'm talking a lot, but I sense this in my heart. These, these are some things to be the catalyst for the goodness and the glory of God to shift in your life, to shift in your direction. Can we put our hands up for a moment? Father, we worship you. Father, we praise you. Father, we glorify you. Father, we magnify you. Father, we honor you this morning.